0: This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next
1: opponents.
0: Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. And on this show, we are taking a trip up the East Lanks Road to get the inside track on Manchester United, who are, of course, the visitors to Anfield for today's huge match. I say huge not just because it's the first meeting of the season between two of football's greatest rivals, but also because Manchester United moved above Liverpool to the top of the Premier League with a 1-0 victory at Burnley in midweek. That Chrissy victory extended United's unbeaten league run to 11 matches, and whisper it quietly left us wondering whether they do have what it takes to challenge Liverpool for the title or even stop them from defending it so to find out more I picked up the phone to Samuel Luckhurst who is the chief Manchester United writer for the Manchester Evening News As well as United's title challenge we talked to their manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer whose last away defeat in the league came almost a year ago today at Anfield when Mohamed Salah raced onto Alisson's long clearance to seal a 2-0 victory that moved Liverpool 16 points clear at the top and moved the cop to saying for the first time we're gonna win the league Back then United didn't have Bruno Fernandes in their ranks and I spoke to Samuel. Samuel about the Virgil Van Dyke type impact the Portuguese has had at Old Trafford, as well as Marcus Rashford, who had there been supporters at Anfield today, no doubt would have been applauded by all sides of the ground, given what he has done for kids around here and across the country during the coronavirus crisis. I hope you enjoy our chat, and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast.
1: Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel.
0: Hi Samuel, thank you very much for joining me once again on the Blood Red podcast.
1: Thank you for having me again Paul, really appreciate
0: it. Uh, it's always a pleasure to speak to you mate uh, before Liverpool versus Manchester United games and this one in particular feels you know, particularly big given what happened in midweek with United beating Burnley to go above Liverpool to the top of the table. And I know we're living in, in, in different and testing times at the moment and, and the main gauge of how fans are feeling is on social media because there's actually no one at the grounds. But what's the temperature like over in Manchester at the moment or the red half of Manchester for this match?
1: I think it's a cautious optimism, really. There's there's certainly a bullish element about United fans. and uh, I mean, some of us do a roundtable with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher this week, and, and Gary Neville kind of, you know, was was, was goading Carragher a little bit, <laughs> but but in a, in a way that wasn't wasn't too mischievous because there's an acceptance that it's still a very premature stage of the season. I think because we're deep into January, it gives the illusion that we're past the halfway point when we're not. We should ordinarily be four games further ahead, and obviously the difference between those twelve points is is, is pretty. Uh, is 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 massive, really? So, for, for now, I think United fans are just kind of reveling in this very mm. unusual place of being top, being a clear of Liverpool. It's it's not happened for a very long time. Um, they've not been top in January since January twenty thirteen, which is remarkable in some senses and unremarkable in others, given just how badly um, the club have coped since since Ferguson retired nearly eight years ago, and. I just guess that there's a sense there that even though there are caveats with this squad, there are flaws with this squad, if you are remotely consistent, I don't think you necessarily have to be the best team in the league this season, but if you are consistent, then there's a very good chance that you're going to win the league and United have done that with this this unbeaten run they've had since the Everton game, I think it was in early November.
0: Yeah, it's nine wins and two draws, I think, in the, the last 11 unbeaten games. And I know there might be still some question marks whether they are the real deal. And you rightly say there, it seems to be one of those seasons where it, it, it may be, maybe not matter if you're at say, the level of City and Liverpool of the past two seasons. But is there a growing belief within the squad, do you think, if, if not always the fan base?
1: Definitely the squad. The players wanted to play... That Burnley game in hand before they went to Anfield, they they were pretty settled on that. Uh, I think I wrote that story just just before the end of of December because they had the momentum going. They they hadn't. I don't know if they'd played Wolves by that time or they certainly hadn't played Villa on New Year's Day. So they weren't they weren't even level on points with Liverpool yet. But obviously the. The opening was there for them to go to Anfield and at least be level on points. And then, of course, Liverpool have dropped some unexpected points, and United are actually ahead of them uh, going going to Anfield. So th- there's certainly belief in the squad. As I said, with the supporters and the fans that I talked to, I-, I think it's 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 more cautious optimism. I think they don't want to get too far ahead of themselves. It, it is very very strange not being able to gauge the match-goers' reaction uh, and feeling about it because that is normally, well, not normally, it is the true gauge of what what the fan base is feeling and how buoyant and, and bullish they are. So it's it's difficult to tell the exact temperature, but certainly within the squad, I think there's a there's an understanding there that, especially after how Solskjaer handled the Pogba situation when that really was in danger of blowing up in United's face in early December, and particularly given that, they actually went out of Europe the next day after Raiola gave those quotes to Tuto Sport. His handling of that has been very important because Pogba has actually been very, very good in the last couple of weeks or three weeks. And you know, just if you were to look at Pogba alone going into this game, there's not really been a game against the elite that he has control, that he has bossed from start to finish for United. There have been glimpses, there have been... Great moments like the two goals he got in the comeback against City, the, the pass he played for Rashford, and the win at Tottenham, which was obviously crucial for Sarsky getting the job a couple of years ago. But he's not really bossed one from start to finish, and he's had a very, very poor record at Anfield. So for him to now be in this position where he's actually not just controlling games, but he's overshadowing Fernandez, which was just not happening whatsoever at the tail end of last season or at the start of this season it's it's an interesting you know it's kind of like an interesting narrative going into this game to see whether he can actually boss a game of this magnitude even though Van Dijk's not playing Liverpool aren't going to be far off full strength you would have thought
0: Do you think he'll play? I know I was reading one of your pieces from earlier this week and I know it was mentioned in the, uh, the post-match analysis on Sky after the, the Burnley game Le- Solskjaer seems to have had his settled two midfielders for one game and then another two for another? And there was some discussion of whether even Pogba would start against Liverpool, but surely given his form at the moment, he would get that chance to, to prove himself at Anfield?
1: It has got to the stage now. It would be a surprise if he doesn't start. When he was selected against Burnley, that was almost a little giveaway that maybe he wasn't being pencilled in for a starting role at Liverpool because I mean, Fred almost always starts, so for him to not start at Burnley, that was that was a bit of a jolt, but it also pretty much suggested that he's starting against Liverpool. It will be Fred and it will be McTominay or Matic. Matic has played well recently, but he, he seemed to pick up an injury towards the end of the Burnley game, and McTominay is more mobile, more energetic, holding midfielder, and you've got quite a good solid base there with those two. Pogba has played on the left a couple of times recently. He didn't against Burnley, but when you look at how Alexander-Arnold is struggling with a bit of form, and I think Alexander-Arnold has raised the bar for attacking right-backs, there's there's no question about that. I think he, he's been doing in the last couple of years what, what Danny Alves did 10 or 12 years ago at Barcelona and, and Sevilla before that. But defensively, I think he's, always, he's often been found wanting, and United have exploited that um, a couple of times, or certainly Rashford has. I think when Marshall came up against Alexander-Arnold on his full league debut, it would have been about four years ago now, Mm -hmm. which is pretty incredible. But Marshall was so bad against him, and and Alexander-Arnold actually coped very, very well with him that Mourinho dropped Marshall from the next two squads altogether. He was was that peeve that Marshall didn't rinse him in that game. But certainly, if you've got Pogba um, coming up against... Alexander Arnold, with the potential for Rashford to move over to there, Marshall likes that inside channel. That is certainly an area where United can get at Liverpool. And as I said at the start of the, at the start of the answer, um I just don't really see pogba not starting this game. He's played too well in the last two league games. Um, he was very good against Villa as well. He just didn't get a goal in that game whereas against Burnley. His influence just just grew more and more, and although there was an element of luck with the goal, it was still a very good strike um, on the volley.
0: You mentioned Olegun and Solskjaer's handling of the the Pogba saga. I suppose it's going to continue this way maybe till the summer. But overall, he seems to be. Growing in stature in the, in, in the job Solskjaer because I know uh, around November time when there was a, a few bad league and Champions League results and you exclusively reported that the club were potentially interested in Mauricio Pochettino if they did eventually decide to to, to, to finish with, with Solskjaer and then as you mentioned earlier December there was the Champions League exit but since then it, it feels like he's gone from strength to strength is, is he getting a better manager is, is, is some of those doubts becoming to you know to become less less to the surface now?
1: It's a strange dynamic in that he is effectively still learning on the job, and it's it's a pretty brutal job to be uh, learning under. In that there is massive expectation there, and he really does need to do something quite tangible. Or there's got to be a show of definite progress this season that's reflected in the league table or winning a trophy for him to certainly be guaranteed of starting um, next season as United manager. And at the moment, you'd say he's odds on to do that. His tactical acumen has always been been evident probably since that Tottenham win a couple of years ago when he, he played split strikers um, either side of Jesse Lingard. Lingard was playing through the middle, Rashford and Martial right the side. He's used the diamond, he's used back threes to excellent effects. I mean, United were probably five minutes away from beating Liverpool in October uh, last season with, with a back three and that was even having to you know, put Marcus Rojo in at the 11th hour because... Axel we got injured. So he's got this knack for being quite innovative with his tactics, but then he can make some pretty basic mistakes that make people, you know, where these doubts resurface. I mean, some have just got it in for him, some United fans anyway, and I'm not necessarily saying they're match-goers, but it's just a, a glance of the half-time opinions yeah. on Twitter during the Burnley game, and it's, you know, it's it's Solskjaer's tactics that are the problem, and you're thinking, well... He, he he played Pogba and Matic because they're physical and they needed physical figureheads against a team like Burnley. I think he's in, he was entitled to do that, and it wasn't a surprise. And it was a rumbustious game. Uh, it was a bit of a slugfest from from the first kick, but United were able to mix it. And after half time, they completely controlled the game. And he said afterwards that United got too frustrated. And they weren't that, that they lacked, lacked an equanimity about them in the first half that was clearly evident in the second but certainly looking at that first half you weren't looking at thinking the tactics are an issue here or the personnel is an issue or the setup is an issue it's just that burnley are very good at interrupting teams passages of play and they did that again um on tuesday night and united united were never going to run riot in that game I, I always felt if they were going to win it was going to be 1-0 and they they ended up winning 1-0 so he, he's definitely got it in him to to change it up to make the right calls at the right times. His in-game management at times this season has been excellent. Uh, PSG away uh, really does stand out. In the... Pogba was on the bench. Pogba came on the second half. Pogba got the assist. United 1-2-1. The trouble with, obviously, the PSG and Leipzig wins. Uh, I mean, they thumped Leipzig 5-0, of course. They, they lost those two reverse legs when it really mattered and they went out in the Champions League. But in general, th- there is an awful lot to like about his management and When you just look at his collection of scalps, as as United manager alone, in that he's beaten Ancelotti, Tuchel, Pochettino, um, Emery, uh, you know I'm I'm forgetting some names here, just off the top of my head, but Frank Lampard used to be his Patsy, uh, Mourinho at Tottenham. Pep Guardiola of course Mm -hmm. uh, he's he's beaten City I think three times three of his six derbies or three of his seven derbies that he's been United manager. You're not I mean some United fans refer to him as the PE teacher. If (laughs) if you are an expert in beat tests you don't beat that collection of coaches and he has done that. So Although it's legitimate to still question whether he's the man to make United champions, which I, I do believe is is still up in the air. I mean, it's it's really weird this season because I don't even believe that current form, it's a true gauge of United. It The true gauge of a team where they're at is when you've got fans present, when it's completely normal. How players react to the, the presence of supporters with the adrenaline flowing with... Uh, the stick you're getting—that's that's the true gauge of what a footballer is all about. It's they've, they've got to take this chance while they can, United, because obviously every every other side um, it, it can be so erratic with their form and the way they're playing in the absence of supporters. But while while games are like this at the moment, they are taking their chances more often than not. And as I said, with with Solskjaer's management. They, they can have some really, really low moments, like the Leipzig defeat, where they're three 0 down at half time in a crunch Champions League game. And he started with eight defensive minded players on the pitch, which just really set the tone for a pretty wretched evening. But the but on the other hand, he has these these scalps that he's able to um, to pull out the bangs and say, I'll beat him this coach, this coach, and this coach, who are far more esteemed coaches than him. So on that on that strength alone. I would be surprised if he's not United manager at the start of next season. But of course, an awful lot can happen between now and the end of the
0: season. You mentioned supporters there, and I was going to ask you this question in a couple of questions' time. But you've had the privilege of, of watching, I imagine, the vast majority, if not all, of Manchester United's games since uh, the Premier League returned. And we had, certainly on Merseyside, a brief moment where supporters were back in the grounds, albeit just 2000. What's it like covering Premier League football matches with no supporters?
1: Unfortunately I've become used to it. Um, I think first uh, about a dozen of us who went out to Linz for the Europa League game in oh god, what was it March eleventh or something like that, when the pandemic was really just starting to spread across Europe. We we were kind of used to it from there. We we had a glimpse of what it was going to be like. But it was still very odd when I went to Tottenham Stadium, which I was just really looking forward mm-hmm. to going to because it was a new stadium. And that was United's first game back after the restart. And just just driving into that part of London is weird because you never do it. It's all you're always going to take the tube to Tottenham, um, even if it means having to make that never-ending walk from the Seven Sisters station to to the actual ground. <laughs> uh, and the temperature checks that you have that that felt very very strange. But after that, it was, it was pretty normal, really. And and United in fairness to them the way they've um decorated the stadium was is is quite original it, it was it was, quite, it was it was impressive when you first saw it they they put a lot of effort into trying to um not just do something generic and but as soon as you've seen it once, it's like you, you, you become you become used to it and it's it's difficult to be impressed by it anymore. So it, it is strange. I mean, I went to the West Ham game uh, last month where there were supporters in and it was quite refreshing actually hearing some cop giving Anthony Marshall <laughs> brief as he was walking off because I just hadn't heard it in, in so many months. And, and frankly, Marshall probably deserved it that day as well, the way he played. He went off and United were lose within seven minutes, they were winning. So, uh, you definitely miss that, but unfortunately, we have all become used to it, and from a from a selfish perspective, it has its upsides in terms of getting out of the ground, and you don't have to get the, to the ground as early, and the traffic isn't bad, but I think we're all just craving the normality of it, and the real thing that is, is particularly calling is that we, we haven't been able to go on the, the European away trips. they they got Paris, Istanbul. Leipzig in the group stage. They've got San Sebastian to come with Sociedad uh, next month in the Europa League, which is meant to be a beautiful part of Spain. And again, I say it selfishly because it's one of the perks of the job is the amount of travelling you get to do. We're probably not going to be able to do that as well. And that means fans aren't going to be able to go there either. So it, it is a genuine shame that it has rumbled on this long. And certainly when the government were, making, um, were deliberating and, and deciding on the tiers... Uh, the tier system in in November and December, there was certainly a time where I think Manchester could easily, Greater Manchester could have been put into tier two and United would have had supporters present for the Leeds game, I think it would have been, but it wasn't to be. And now, unfortunately, it looks like that. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised between now and the end of the season if if Old Trafford doesn't, doesn't house any supporters the way it's going. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel.
0: Sadly, agree. Uh, and, and of course, that's uh, depriving Manchester United supporters of seeing Bruno Fernandes in action. I know they, they got to see him for a couple of months before lockdown began. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only person who's listening to the podcast to see him be compared to Virgil van Dijk or even Eric Cantona in terms of like new signings that come in and make such an, an impact on the team and, and the club. Has his arrival at, at Old Trafford been that significant?
1: Well... It's it's not even blasphemous to bracket Fernandez with Cancela. Uh, I was I was hesitant to do so until about July, and subsequently have heard and read other authorities on United doing likewise as well. Without him, they wouldn't have got into the Champions League last season, and without him, they certainly wouldn't be where they are in the Premier League. And it, I think what struck me from the start watching him on his debut against Wolves was that he wasn't shy in actually getting on teammates case is his English was was fluent when he arrived at the club and the club were briefing us saying that you know he's been here a couple of days and this was before his debut and it, it's already lifted the place and you take things like that with a shovel of salt because of course they're going to celebrate and um, you know talk up a new signing but his impact has, has been that that huge and he he's a risk taker. Solskjaer said that he tears his hair out sometimes at the amount of times he gives the ball away. Fernandez, but he keeps trying and he keeps going. There was a game I think at Southampton in November where he did not play well. Um, his performance level was pretty poor. Yet he scored one. He got another assist. And from the free kick where they scored the added time winner, it was he who played the ball to Rushford on the left. Rushford crosses in, Cavani scores. So even on the back, when he's underperforming, he's still performing which is, is an is a knack of a great player and I think it's fair to say that he's probably the only world-class player in United's squad at the moment I'd be hesitant to say Pogba is at that level just on the back of a couple of weeks but I think we all know that Pogba certainly got certainly is a world-class talent but with Fernandes he has been doing it with re- remarkable consistency um and I suppose the only if you're if you're to look a little bit too far ahead, the danger is that if United don't say him with trophies, you can see a scenario summer 22 maybe where if they've still not won a trophy, it's going to come to a point where he's wondering is this the best place for me? Because he is a player who deserves to be winning trophies and it was quite telling I think his tweet after the, the City Carabao Cup defeat that he clearly was quite peeved about them losing another semi-final and he wasn't even at the club when they lost the semi-final to City last year but he's already lost three with United and he's getting fed up of it quite clearly as as everyone at United should be and the fact that he was prepared to go out there and convey that um I think it got him extra kudos with supporters and the club have announced he's won the player of the month award for the fourth month running as well which you know that, that kind of impact, is, it, I'm struggling to think of someone who's been that consistently garlanded at United since De Gea um, in the first few seasons post-Ferguson, where you just knew he was going to win the Player of the Year award and you just know Fernandes will win United's Player of, Play of the Year award again this season.
0: Brilliant player, absolutely brilliant player. and a, Another excellent player and an excellent person, Marcus Rashford. I just want to ask you about him before we get to the, the final couple of questions for this podcast. There's been reports this week that there could actually be a banner on the cop for him on, on Sunday, given the campaigning work he's done for, for free school meals during this coronavirus crisis. He's, he's clearly held in the highest esteem by all football fans, but I um, imagine he must be a particular source of pride for United supporters, given what he's doing, not only on the field, but, but off the field.
1: Well, I remember Andy Robertson saying that he, he hoped supporters would be present for the game so that they could applaud him. And if, if that would have happened, it would have been it would have been a remarkable thing to witness. Unfortunately, we're not going to witness that. We might witness it next season. Um, you know, there's, there's clearly a social conscience in in Liverpool that's unrivalled in most parts of of the country, and what Rashford has done, it's it's been. It's been excellent PR in some, some ways, I think the the, uh, the documentary on the BBC it was quite above board and that it made it clear that he's he's been very well advised during this period, but it's it's clearly genuine. It's clear that he felt the need to, to try and do some to try and do something about this, that he wanted to do something about this, that it comes from the heart, that it comes from his own personal experiences as a child. The fact that he's been as well advised as he has on it in terms of um getting his message across is, is kind of irrelevant because of just you know, how sincerely he he has conducted himself and he was doing it a little bit before the um the free school meals with the uh, I think it was the shoebox charity that he was doing in Manchester um around Christmas time of last season. So he he comes he comes from Withenshaw, which in in certain parts of it is is quite an impoverished place for 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 kids growing up. He you know he had an, an Enviable talent, and he's channeled that remarkably to get to where he is, playing for United and playing as regularly as he is for United. And it is just a shame, I guess, that there's, there's no way of for supporters to show uh, a tangible appreciation for what he has done, because supporters just, you know, on mass at least are not in stadiums still. Um, but if, if there is a banner on the cop or something like that, then, notwithstanding what he's done, because it's it is remarkable, and it, it deserves acclaim. And obviously, he's he's got an MBE out of it, and he's got so so many kudos throughout the year. But something like that, you know, given the rivalry, it's it's still a pretty remarkable thing to witness. So if 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 I do see it on the carpet, I think it will um it will certainly get headlines.
0: Certainly will just before I ask your verdict uh, I was watching Ollie's press conference after the win over Burnley and I think I might be paraphrasing him a little bit but he said this is a test of how far United have come on Sunday is that fair enough to say uh, Liverpool aren't as dominant as they were last season or even the season before when they ran Manchester City so close but this is this almost like a litmus test an acid test of, of just how good this United side are if we're boiling it down to, to one game
1: I think it is Liverpool have had a decent amount of time between games a lot of the players won't have played for nearly two weeks given that they were rested for the villa game little have got a huge point to prove after the amount of points they've dropped recently they are still for me they are still the best team in the country if you were to take their strongest 11 and i know van dyke is it's pretty much out for the season or certainly the majority of the season but i'd still say it's the best the best team in the country on paper and united are going there they've They've got this remarkable unbeaten domestic away record, I think of 20 games overall since yeah, Anfield, Anfield last January. They're going back to Anfield almost a year to the date since they lost that game. Um, I think Sunday's game actually falls on the date of United's last win at Anfield five years ago under Louis Van Gaal. So there are all these subplots, uh, narratives that you can go on. The fact that they're three points clear uh it's it's a test of can you can you stay clear of liverpool can you stay above liverpool can you actually extend your advantage over liverpool it's it's a really fascinating dynamic even without supporters it's if ever there's a game that is missing supporters this season it's it's going to be this one because there's so much riding on it previously i'd have said it was from united perspective at least anyway it was a real shame that there were no supporters in for for the Leeds game and it still wouldn't have been the same if Greater Manchester was in Tier 2 and it's just home fans let because you really wanted that febrile atmosphere of having a load of Yorkshiremen coming over the Pennines and going back to Old Trafford in the league for the first time in nearly 17 years. But this weekend's game, uh, it, it, it is a genuine, genuine shame that there are no, no supporters present. But given that we've got used to that over the last 10 months or whatever it's been, um it, it, i still don't think it dilutes the the significance of the game um if, if you're just looking at it through a potential title challenge and i still i still use the word potential because we're not even halfway through the season and united could fall off they've been very lucky with injuries so far they picked up a couple of injuries the other night so you know m- maybe that cold snap will tell and, and they'll become brittle but if they can beat liverpool uh Given their home record in the league dating back to May 2017, I think then it could be potentially seismic. It really could. So uh, it's yeah, you know, it's, it's as I said, it's going to be fascinating. And just from my own perspective, it's it's I'm just grateful that I'm I'm, I'm allowed in and that I can actually be there, present, live to to watch it.
0: Certainly, whetted the appetite. What's your verdict then? If you got a score prediction.
1: I think a draw, I said at the start of the week I could see United not not losing both games but not winning both games and Burnley was a real slugfest. I think that might have taken a bit out of United as well even though they'll have had five days to recover and Liverpool have had a lot more time given that they had the kickoff against Villa on the Friday night and they're always going to rest a few players for that game as well. Uh, I actually think a draw would be a pretty good result for United as well. I know it maintains Liverpool's unbeaten league run and United have had a habit, certainly under Ferguson, of vending unbeaten runs or winning runs. Um, they, 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 they certainly had it in them back then. I can't remember too many occasions under Solskjaer where they've gone somewhere and they've completely killed a record. Uh, but I also think that Liverpool will be really up for this game and will feel as though they've got a point to prove and I think Klopp's been intensifying that siege mentality since the, the Southampton game and they are still an absolutely formidable side. So I can see it being a one-all draw.
0: Samuel, thank you very much as always, mate. Uh, enjoy the game and it'd be great to catch up before the old Trafford match later this season, which I think is is, is early May, isn't it? So yeah, who knows? Maybe these two teams will be battling out come that stage of the season as well.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again, Paul. Really appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red Channel.